Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. It's lovely to have you here. Lovely to have you here. Luke chapter 12. We are working through a series, going through Luke chapter 12. I was alive for a short period of time before everyone had a mobile phone. And before everyone had a mobile phone, you had a thing called a home phone. Does anyone remember? Does anyone still have a home phone? No one. You have a... You have... Why? No, no, you don't have one now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You had a home phone. Everyone shared one phone in your house. And I was the youngest in our family, and it was my job to answer the phone, and I hated that. When the phone would ring, you have to answer. Um, but the thing about having a home phone was when you were making plans with your friends, you had to call their house. And I would call my friend Steve's house, Steve Hine, and I would call his house, and they would answer the same way every time, 4328 That's the only number I remember, by the way, because that's the one that I would always call his house, and they would answer like that. I don't know why they answered like that, but 4328 And I was like, hi, Mrs. Hine, can I talk to Steve? And then she's like, yes, I'll go find him. And then it's just like silent for ages while she's trying to find Steve. And then Steve comes finally to the phone. And then we make plans when we're about, you know, 10 or 11, we're allowed to go to the movies together. And we'll make plans to go to the movies at Tagra. We're going to catch the train. It's going to be this train. You're going to get on at Narara. I'm going to get on at Lizaro. We'll be in the second carriage from the back. I'll meet you there. And you would make a plan and you would just hope that Steve would turn up. And if Steve didn't turn up, you would just wait there awkwardly for a while. You didn't have a phone to look at anything. you just wait there. And then if he didn't turn up, you'd just go home. And it's like so weird that you just had to wait in the meantime. You just had to wait for someone to come and you couldn't do anything about it. You couldn't do anything about whether they were going to be late. They couldn't let you know that they had missed the train or whatever. You just have to wait and trust or go home. And uh, we're going to read these parables around waiting, around in the meantime. Uh, Luke chapter 12 starts in verse 35. Are you ready? is ready. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them He'll put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put the servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, My master won't be back for a while? 
and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. He will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. That's hectic. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared but doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. We have been working through the book of Luke since we planted as a church four years ago. We're going very slow. And the last couple of weeks we've been in Luke chapter 12. And you can summarize Luke chapter 12 by, uh, um, it, it's about getting eternal perspective, an eternal story, a bigger story, and that impacting how we live today. So um, Dan spoke a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about those first couple of verses that talked about that in the end, everything that was, is hidden will come to light. Everything that's like hidden away will come out in the open. And it says, therefore, don't be a hypocrite. Make sure that your internal world matches your external world. Be an integrated person. Walk, walk towards integration. Then we talked about that um, curly concept of the fear of God and that the fear of God is just a right-sizing God, putting him in his rightful place. And when we right-size God, the people around us become perfectly human-sized, no larger, no smaller. And we can, um, when we don't fear people, we can actually love them. And then Rich talked about our resources and how we use our resources. There's a little parable of the guy who builds a barn um, to store more and more of his resources. But he says the, the moss will come and destroy. And it's, it's about investing our resources, not just in what's in front of us, in earthly things, but in heavenly things. And then last week, we talked about right-sizing the story, putting the kingdom of God first. When you seek first the kingdom, all these other things will be added to you. It's all about this eternal perspective, and, now, and that impacts how we live today. Next week is the last little bit in Luke chapter 12, and it is the, the craziest bit. It starts to talk about how Jesus said he hasn't come to bring peace, but to bring fire, and he's going to split apart families, and it's hectic. I'm, I don't want to speak on that, so I'm not going to be here. I'm going to get Craig to come and speak on that, um, and that'll all make sense as a little teaser for next week. Um, but this morning is a little collection, three parables that Jesus tells, um, and Three very similar parables, but also three parables with um, marked differences. And so the thing that is common between all these three parables, the one of a servant and the master coming back from a wedding, the one of a homeowner not knowing when the thief's going to come, and the one of the faithful steward who either looks after um, the master's household or uses it for his own gain, the three common things around all of those parables is that the master is returning, Jesus is returning. And that is a key marker of the Christian faith, that Jesus at some point is going to come back and bring heaven on earth, recreate all things, bring his kingdom in full. The master is returning. The second thing is that we don't know when he's coming back. That's the key thing in each of those parables. We don't know when the master is returning. Is returning. We don't know when he's going to come back. And the, the ask for us is what do we do in the meantime? Jesus is returning. We don't know when. And the imperative of each of these parables is Jesus saying, what will you do in the meantime? What will you do with what you have in front of you, what you've been entrusted with right here and right now? So, parable one versus parable two. If you can throw that slide up, uh, the next one, that would be awesome. Parable one versus parable two. If you go to the next slide there, my man. Brilliant. How good's Tim? Everyone give Tim a round of applause. Yeah, the Tim. 
So the first parable is the parable of a servant, and he's waiting for his, his master is at a wedding. And so he's out late, late in the night. And so the servant is waiting for his master to come back. He doesn't know, he doesn't know whether it's going to be 2 a.m. or 5, like if it's going to be a really big night or just a sort of, you know, normal big night. And so the servant is waiting for the master to come back. And so in the first one, the servant has a master, and the master is expected. The master is waiting for the master to come home because when the master comes home, he gets a clock off, right? So he's excited for when the master comes. In the second little parable, the, the main character is a homeowner. So he's not the servant, but he's someone who owns his own home. And Jesus in this parable is the, th- the thief. And so he is actually unwanted for the homeowner. He doesn't, want the home, he doesn't want the thief to come because it's his own little kingdom. And the difference between these two parables is how we treat the stuff that we have. Do we think we are just servants stewarding what we have, or do we think we're homeowners with our own little kingdoms? Because if you have your own little kingdom set up, when Jesus returns and brings his kingdom in full, that is bad news for your own little kingdom, right? Because he's bringing a kingdom in fullness. The little thing that we have going on is going to get messed up. It's going to get shaken up. And so the difference here between the servant and the homeowner is realizing that the thing I have is actually a gift. All of life is a gift. We don't, we're not entitled to what we have. We're not entitled to our families or our homes or our jobs or our talents. It is a gift entrusted to us by God. The third parable sets up another little difference. There is a faithful steward and an unfaithful steward. So now in this parable, the servant becomes a steward who's overseeing a whole household of servants. And so the faithful steward looks after the master's household. He looks after the other servants. He makes sure they're fed. He makes sure things are going well. He's others-focused. And then there's an unfaithful steward who goes, I don't know when this dude's coming back. It's been 2,000 years. Is he ever coming back? Maybe I can just use some of the master's resources for my own gain. I'll go out partying. I'll, I'll use and abuse people. The faithful steward blesses others. The unfaithful steward uses others. What will you do with the things that you've been entrusted with? It harks back to the very start of the story in Genesis uh, 12 where, the, where uh, God calls Abraham. He says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, which later becomes Israel, which Jesus comes out of Israel. He says, I'm going to bless you with resource so that you can be a blessing to others. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. He says that to his son Isaac and then his son Jacob. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. This is the kind of core call of Israel and now of the church. Be blessed to be a blessing. Be others focused. And that's what the faithful steward was. He had blessing, he had responsibility, and he used it to bless others, not to use them. The whole idea of these three parables is that Jesus is coming back. The return of Jesus. And that is a key theme in the scriptures, that Jesus is actually coming back. Jesus began his work with his life and his death and his resurrection. He began spreading, he birthed a new kingdom that's coming here on earth. Um, In the next chapter, which we'll look at in a couple of months, Jesus tells a few little parables about the kingdom of God is like a seed, a mustard seed planted. It's a tiny seed, but it continues to grow and takes over the whole garden. Or the kingdom of God is like yeast in bread. It's just a little amount, but it rises and permeates through the whole loaf. And that's what the beginning of Jesus' 
kingdom is like. It's just small. It starts as pockets and it bubbles and it goes through the Roman Empire and begins to spread all over the world until 2,000 years later we find ourselves here in Long Jetty continuing to bubble and pocket. Um, there's a Star Wars show called Andor, which I think is the best Star Wars show ever made. It's actually very, very good. And um, it's because someone actually thought about writing the dialogue. Most other Star Wars movies, they just like put lightsabers in. And they didn't think about the actual story. Uh, I, st- I love story. I love Star Wars. But Andor is very good. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. But it's about how um, the rebellion rises up amongst real life people. It shows like kind of real life people and why they would rise up to take on the big bad empire that had taken over the whole galaxy. There's a beautiful line in Andor that says that there are pockets of fermentation all around the galaxy, little pockets of the rebellion rising up. And that is like the kingdom of God in the midst of our world, little pockets of the kingdom rising up, of little pockets of healing and of restoration and forgiveness, little pockets of grace and blessing and generosity, little pockets. But there will be a time when Jesus returns and brings his kingdom in full. He will return and recreate all things, bring heaven and earth back together like they were always meant to be. And he will make all things new again. He will come with grace and he will come with justice. He will come with grace. In that first little parable, um, the, the servant is waiting for the master to come back from a wedding and he comes back early in the morning. He's expecting to just clock off and go to bed. Uh, but instead, the master comes and he puts on an apron and he serves the servants a meal. He welcomes them into the table. He meets their needs, which is not what a master would do. This is, this is completely countercultural in the time. And this is actually Jesus brings an upside-down kingdom where he actually comes to bring grace and service. We expect to serve the master, yet he comes and serves us. But he also comes with justice, that he's coming to make the world right, to bring an end to corruption, to bring an end to pain, to bring an end to sickness and hurting and grief. All of that will be made right by Jesus. There's a um, line from the Lord of the Rings, which I love, that says, everything sad is going to become untrue. And that is like what the kingdom coming is like. Everything sad and wrong with the world is going to become untrue. Jesus is going to turn the world the right way up. And that is terrifying news for those of us that wield the sword, to find ourselves on the hilt end of a sword. But it is comforting news for those of us that find ourselves on the pointy end of the sword, which, by the way, is most of humans through most of human history. Jesus is coming to make things right. Terrifying if we're wielding power, using others like the unfaithful steward, but beautiful if we are on the receiving end of any hurt, pain, sickness, corruption, because Jesus is going to make it all right. And I don't know how that will play out exactly in reality. There are a whole bunch of theories. There are a whole bunch of different things in scriptures, and it's actually fairly unclear around, you know, what the specifics of that will look like. But I don't think that is the point. The point is that Jesus is returning. And the one thing that Jesus is trying to tell us here is that the difference between the servant and the homeowner is that they have relationship with Jesus, and they're expecting Jesus to return. The homeowner doesn't know the thief in this story. But the servant knows the master. And the difference between the faithful steward and the unfaithful steward is using what I've been given for the good of others, being blessed, 
to be a blessing. So how do we prepare for the return of Jesus? What do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? Well, we realize that what we've been given doesn't belong to us. What we've been given doesn't belong to us. I steward everything that I have, my talents, my time, my energy, my house, my family, my friends, my church, for the good of others. In that way, we are living from the future. We are a future people. When we live in such a way that we steward our blessing for the blessing of others, we are actually aligning ourselves with the coming kingdom. We're aligning ourselves with the way that Jesus operates. Owen McManus says this, don't wait for the end of the world for the beginning of the future. Don't wait for the end of the world. Don't wait for like apocalypse or whatever happens for the beginning of the future. The beginning of the future starts now. Starts how we actually interact with our resources, our time, our energy, the people around us right now. We are blessed to be a blessing. All of life in the kingdom comes down to those two things we find in the parables, relationship with Jesus and blessing others. Or as Jesus teaches elsewhere, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the stuff of the kingdom. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we can find that through this whole chapter, that when you right-size God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it permeates into the way that we treat other people, how we actually live today. And as people of the kingdom, people of the future coming kingdom, people that want to align with King Jesus, we actually live into the future by stewarding our resources for the good of others, stewarding our time, stewarding our energy for the good of others. Growing a life of love of God and love of people puts us in good stead when Jesus does come back. Now, realizing that, this is not about being perfect. Like we, The coming of Jesus' kingdom isn't about us perfectly managing what we have because we all tend towards home ownership. We all tend to create our little kingdom, right? We all tend to just use this stuff for our own resource. And we all tend to use others rather than bless them, right? We do it subtly sometimes, but we do it. <laughs> and we, we've got our own kind of language around it. But so often, the relationships in my life, we can use it to, to meet our own needs rather than to bring blessing and goodness. And so we realize that none of us have this together. We don't deserve the grace of the servant. When, when the master comes back, he, we don't reserve for him to put on his robe, put on his apron, and serve us a meal and welcome us in and meet our needs, but he does. The good news through all of that is that um, Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, is one of confession and forgiveness, and that the world is changed actually by us realigning our lives, realizing that we don't have it all together, realizing that we actually haven't been good stewards, we haven't been good servants but we all tended towards using the stuff that we have for our own gain. The beauty is that there is forgiveness for all of us. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter the way that you've used things in your life towards your own gain. Jesus calls us again and again, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent just means turn. Just reorient your life. Oh, I've been a little bit off track. Just repent calibrate, a couple of degrees, look at Jesus again, right-size God again, where you've taken ownership, where you've wronged others, we are to reorient our way to the future kingdom. That puts us in good stead for the return of Jesus. I don't know exactly what that looks like. We don't know when it will be, but we know that he is coming back. As followers of Jesus, we believe in the coming kingdom, that he will make 
everything sad untrue. He will make everything wrong right again. So we're going to receive communion in a second, but I'd love for you to just take a few moments for yourself, just maybe with your eyes closed, and just bring to God um, anywhere where you've sort of been more like the homeowner than the servant. You've tended to build your own kingdom. You've thought you were entitled to certain things. Maybe bring that to God and remember that everything that you have has been given by him. He's entrusted it to you. All of life is gift. Or maybe it's about the ways that you've been an unfaithful steward rather than a faithful steward. The ways that we've all hurt others, wronged others, snapped in anger, messed up relationships, done the wrong thing, said the wrong words. Again, the message of Jesus and the kingdom is one of forgiveness. Maybe just bring that to him. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and you would meet us right here. May the prayer of Jesus be true today. Your will be done, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. May there be pockets of fermentation right now. May we be faithful stewards and servants of you. May we live out a future reality in an alternate way. May we be blessed to be a blessing to others. And God, I pray for the ways in which we all need to reorient and rechange our lives and, and repent. God, that might that actually work its way into our Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. May we be people that live in alignment with you and your coming kingdom, Jesus. Thank you that you are good, that you are going to make all the wrongs of this world right. And we know that that includes us. And so we ask that you would come again and the parts of us that are disintegrated, would you bring integration again? The parts of us that have hurt, God, I pray that you would bring uh, repentance and healing in those relationships. The parts of us that are grieving and lost and sad and broken, God, I pray that you would continue to put us back together as we give our lives to you, realize that nothing we have is our own. It is all a gift. And even the broken pieces, we just hand back to you. Thank you that you are good, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and love and mercy. Thank you that you welcome us to the table. Amen.